I'm Steven. And I'm Allison. This past summer, we moved our four kids, three dogs, and a fish across the country from small town North Carolina to the Valley in Los Angeles. Join us as we try to keep our sanity with late night chats, snacks after bedtime, and together we'll find peace in the Valley. Hi, Allison. Hey, Steven. It's good to see your face. Aw, I missed you today. I missed you too, and I'm happy to be here, even if we're going to be talking about a heavy subject today, um, and also going to be consuming heavy calories, but that is much happier. Yeah. At least. I am super excited about our snack today because um, it looks delicious. Yeah. So do you want to tell the story about our weekend trip that kind of resulted in these snacks? Sure. I think I told we told you guys that we our kids were going to the state championship for cross country, um, which was super exciting. We drove up to Fresno for the weekend. Um, three and a half hours or so from here. Yeah. So um, it was a fun trip away. The kids did awesome, and it was just really fun to see them, like, compete at that high a level. Yeah, and they seem to really enjoy it as well, which is really encouraging, I mean, because when you're competing at that level of competition, you know, I I don't know. If I I was in their shoes, I would feel really intimidated um, and maybe even be tempted to be down on myself if I – you know, wasn't competing at the level of a senior who's some highly recruited, (laughs) you know, athlete. But our kids had wonderful attitudes about it and really did well, um, comparatively speaking, to the progress they've made all season. Oh, for sure. They did awesome. And they were like smiley birds when they came over the finish line. One of my favorite things about watching our kids run um, that I've been learning over the course of the year is, is, is kind of when they hit their peaks. And Um, I don't know if I would say this is unique to our children, but I have seen it more in them than in the people they compete against. And that is they get stronger the longer the race goes. So um, the I I wish I could remember the name of the timing company that sponsored the state championships, but um, they had such drilled down information. It was really fun to notice that at each mile you could see what place that they had risen to or slipped to. And um, both of our runners... Um, took down many people in their last mile. Yeah. Um, we had one of our kids took down like 11 runners over the course of the whole race, which was mm-hmm. really impressive. Um, the other one was pretty close to that as well. Yeah. So anyway, it was a fun weekend away. The kids were awesome. And um, we had a little road trip. So we stopped at a cool place um, with my sister that she um had stopped at a bunch of times before called was it bravo farms bravo farms yeah so just like a cute little roadside um like country store kind of like um the store part of cracker barrel yeah (laughs) in other words the only good part of cracker barrel yeah the only true southern part of cracker barrel (laughs) don't get us started on we'll do a whole episode about how cracker barrels fake southern (laughs) But anyway, so the um, but the store was super cute, and it had a bunch of like cool little snacks in it. And so we picked up these giant Rice Krispie treats there, um, that are like I don't know three inches thick or something. <laughs> they they could <can laughs> definitely be the bricks in the uh, in one of Willy Wonka's houses or something. Yeah, and they have like a layer of something in the middle of all of them. So one of them we got was peanut butter and chocolate, and one is peanut butter fluff. Ooh. Well, um, 
and we've been hiding them from the kids since <sighs> then yeah. so that we could eat them together in even a recording. With think- yeah, even with Thanksgiving leftovers, I'm sure they would have tried to find a way to get to them. So <laughs> I'm glad we're able to, uh, to share in them now. Yeah, and they didn't need any more sugar. My sister bought um, them these giant lollipops that were like the size of their head. So Very large and in yeah. charge. Yeah. Um, oh, that's my. an answer for though, right? Yeah, exactly. Just playing a role. All right. So um, do you want to have, let's do peanut butter and chocolate first. Okay. Because I'm most excited about that one. So here right. your, here's your large chunk Thank of that. You. All right. Um, I'm going to try to. Dig in and see what you think. Yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. It is um to try to describe it to the listener. Mm. It's so thick. It's like two regulation sized rice crispy treats mm-hmm. with filling in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, like maybe a double stuff size filling in the mm-hmm. middle. So that's that's the kind of dimensions we're dealing with here. So it's good stuff. I like it so far. What do you think? Well, I mean, the Rice Krispie Treat itself is so good and perfect. It has the right ratio of marshmallow to the Krispies. Mm. Because if you follow, like, the Rice Krispie recipe that's on the box, you know, whatever, that is lame. And it's wrong because they don't put enough marshmallows in there. You need, like... I can tell you why right now. It's to get you to buy more Rice Krispies. Yeah, obviously. But you need, like, twice, if not three times as many marshmallows as recommended. Mm. And then it has to be, like, white and gooey all the way through. Yes. Absolutely. So, and it's delicious. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, the filling is not everything I wanted it to be. I don't know. It's a little harder than I expected it to be. I to expected be, it to be, like, fluffy. To be perfectly honest, I haven't even really tasted the filling. Oh, I definitely taste it. I just thought it was going to have a different texture. Mm. Well, like you said, the Rice Krispie Treat part of it is so good. I mean, <clears throat> it makes up for me not really noticing the flavor of the of the middle mm. on my side. The Rice Krispie so is so good, though. Mm. And how they keep it so fresh. It's like you just made it. I'm digging it. Yeah. That is a good question. I'm curious how. Okay, so this is called um, preserved it. The crispery. Okay. So you can apparently order these online at thecrispery.com. Um, crispery with a C, not a K, because they're not trying to rip off rice crispy. Right. So uh-huh. I'm guessing we'll probably post these on our socials as well. Oh yeah. So you sure. guys can check them out. Mm-hmm. But all in all. Let me go ahead and get round two with this guy. No, you need to try the other flavor. I'll try the, uh, what is this? Peanut, Peanut butter, butter fluff. fluff. Well, mm-hmm. marshmallow and the word fluff <laughs> together. It looks promising. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to, like, open your mouth all the way around this. Yeah. Yes, it is. You know, I got to say, this is going to sound like I'm not digging it because I totally am. But the marshmallow for me mm-hmm. is so strong. All I'm tasting is just giant Rice Krispie treat, but I still love it. I'm like them. There's something wrong with your taste buds. There's something. There is something wrong with my taste buds. I might need to get a COVID test tomorrow. Because I mean, peanut butter and chocolate is coming through strong on that one. Hmm. I don't know. Something's up with me. This is good. Um. There. Okay. There's like um a uh, a milder flavor with this one, but still there. 
And again, the Rice Krispie Treat is knocking it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Well. All in all, I give that a 10 out of 10. Thank you, Crispery, mm-hmm. for your wonderful invention. Mm-hmm. The world is a better place because you're in it. Very good. Very good. So we can have a better world. <laughs> yes. Um, I think, you know, last week or the last two weeks, kind of sharing our adoption story, we've gotten a little bit um, more of, like, the background of us as a couple and family. Um, but we, what we wanted to talk about this week um, was how to, like, love well in the midst of suffering. Um, because the reality is the world is full of hard stuff. I mean, it's death. We experienced the death of a daughter and, um, and that we shared with you guys in um, our last episodes. Um, but there's also, you know, loss of jobs and there's um, poverty and there's sickness and so many other things um, that are causing the people around you and you yourselves to hurt. Um, and we want to love well in the kingdom. Um, and that means that we don't just um, brush over suffering or give out pat answers. Yeah. Um, but we learn how to love, really, really love well in the midst of hard stuff. And we have had some of those experiences, um, some some loved well and some... Some not so some much. Some misses. <laughs> some, some opportunities for improvement. Yeah. Um, and so what we did this week was like, I asked Stephen um, to make a list on his own, and I did it as well, of some of the best and worst experiences we've had of being loved through suffering. Yeah. So. Um, we haven't actually shown those lists to each other, so we're just going to talk through them tonight and um, let you guys in on the conversation. Yeah. Um, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Okay. Well, um, I'm Allison pointed at me, so uh, I'll go first. Um, so um, one of the one experience I've had that was profound with suffering was uh, the loss of my father. Yeah. Um, which happened, uh, 15, 15 years ago. Uh, this year I was in my early twenties at the time, um, or mid twenties, whatever. I was in my twenties. Um, and was, uh, yeah, I mean, just a, a life changing experience as one would expect. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, my dad was a minister Um, he was a Southern Baptist minister for 40 years Mm -hmm. and, um, was, you know, I don't know the total makeup of, uh, the people who listen to this podcast. So, um, if I can describe it in some different terms, I don't know what images conjure in your head when you hear about ministers or particularly Southern Baptist ministers, but I'll say this about my dad. Um, he was, uh, he was a, he was a humble, uh, warm welcoming, loving man. Um, I, I've never known him to have an enemy other than maybe the Dallas Cowboys or the New York Yankees. <laughs> um, just, just a little sports humor there, guys. It's, it's going to be okay. Um, it's what I do, what I do when I'm uncomfortable. Um, so he, um, no, I, I didn't know him to have an enemy ever. Um, and yeah, I mean, I had the benefit of having him as my pastor when, um, 
I was in middle school and high school and um, just a total gift to me um, and everyone in our um, local church. So, yeah, I would say he was so well-loved. Yeah. And um, one thing I really admire about him, which is uh, it's kind of a catch-22 with ministers because uh, I started off all that by saying I don't know what picture you guys have in your mind when you hear the word ministers, even even particularly Southern Baptist minister. But he was not – he was never the pastor of a very large church. Um, he was not – he never wrote a book um, didn't have a podcast. Of course, that was kind of after his time. Um, so he was not really a publicized kind of a pastor or celebrity pastor or anything like that. But anyone who knew him had a, a warm story, a fond memory. Mm-hmm. You know what he kind of reminds me of? And I think he would appreciate this, and I'm going to try not to choke up on this. Remember in Field of Dreams Mm -hmm. when Kevin Costner goes to the town in Minnesota to recruit the baseball player who ended up not becoming a baseball player because he decided to be a doctor? Mm -hmm. And so they interview all the people in the town about this man who had died decades before. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the movie gets a little weird after that. But that's (laughs) about the movie. Um, But they end up getting testimonials of all these people and like they thought they were coming to find this baseball player. And instead they found this man who just completely changed a town and it was just unheard of. Like he just wasn't not unheard of, like it never happened, but just people didn't know about it, like outside of that little town. Right. And um, he was he just he had made like a lasting impact. Yeah. Yeah. A world changing impact on the people who knew him. Right. So, you know, he invested in the people he chose to invest into that came into his life, and those people were changed as a result of that. So um, that— And this is a bit off topic, but, man, that's such an underrated thing in the day and age of, like, everybody wants to be famous. Yes. like, just loving the people right in your circle really, really well. And um, investing in their lives um, in a meaningful and impactful way. And that that right there is enough— kingdom growth for a lifetime and your success is not dictated or measured by what the entire rest of the world sees or doesn't see yeah um that circle can be small jesus's first circle was 12 you know right um and for sure your dad had like a a big impact throughout the southeast honestly but but not like fame you know and so but i think uh yeah that's just underrated his his long reach came through long suffering it didn't it didn't come through, you know, some giant broadcast or something like that. Right. Um, so all that to say, uh, you know, when when he died, um, a lot of people in the town we lived in were very impacted. You know, I, I, I met with and had conversations with a lot of people um, who who I had not seen since I was really small Um one of a positive thing, uh, and this is not actually the positive thing I was going to bring up, but it just came to mind, so I'm going to say that, is that even to this day, um, I still run into some people on occasion who will tell me a story about my dad that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Because he, um, one thing I respect and also kind of rail against at the same time, if that makes sense, is that there's a lot he didn't let me in on as his son in regards to ministry. And a lot of that came in from from a desire for protection and to protect your children from the hard things. And, you know, like how how could a kid understand all the ins and outs and minutiae of, of the difficulties of ministry? Like I, I wouldn't have been able to handle that, and he knew that. And so, um, you know, he didn't let me in on every single hard thing that happened. But um, But people letting me know 
ways that he administered to them because he didn't publicize that, you know, he just loved people and was invested in their lives. And so I still remember people doing that. And, and I'm, I feel really blessed whenever I get an occasion to do that. Um, the thing that I wanted to bring up though, was just how hard it was grieving him because, um, he was the first really close person in my life who died. Um, I had had other family members, but like nowhere near as close as this. And, um, I I really was uh, numb at first, just kind of in shock to that, and uh, was not prepared for how that would affect me in any way. And also, you know how you know there you have you have the loss of a loved one, on top of that, the loss of a parent, and also the kind of the intersections of like a son losing his father, and 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 all these things. And um, anyway. I was still living and working in that town after he died, which was not very big. And so I was still seeing a lot of these same people every day and just not a whole lot of time passed before just observing people from the outside. I could see them moving on with their life and like, and and I don't, I don't blame them for doing that because I mean, how many other people's close loved ones have passed away and eventually the emotion of that is worn off on me and I'm life moves on and it does. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was just really hard. And I think some people would approach me. They would, no one, not, not many people would ever like openly suggest to me that like I hadn't gotten over it fast enough or something. Um, but you know, when we first started introducing this topic, you mentioned about not wanting to give like trite answers or, or pet answers to hard things. And, Um, there were, there were many people who I think just either hadn't experienced it for themselves, just didn't know what to say, uh, but wanted to say something comforting to me. And so, you know, they would give the kind of standard things you tell somebody at a funeral or when someone's passed away. But I remember, I remember one lady in particular who is a close friend of my mother's and, um, and some others as well. But I remember her specifically coming up to tell me like, um, you know, Stephen, I lost my dad. I don't remember how many years ago it was mm-hmm. when she said, but a lot of time had passed. Yeah. And she's like, Stephen, I, I still miss him today. And she's mm-hmm. like, and I don't want you to for, forget or like uh, feel bad if uh, you still hurt over it because yeah. that's normal, you know? Yeah. And um, you don't have to take your, you know, you know, wait, you can, you know, take your time. Mm-hmm. and dealing with it. And um, yeah, I'm putting some words in her mouth, but this is the general overall sentiment she left me with. Right. Um, and that has stuck with me ever since. Um, and that's what I tell other people too. That's the first thing I tell people um, when they've gone through something like that is that, you know, you your grief is on nobody's timetable. Right. And, and it is not wrong for you to, to, to break for no reason on some days or what feels like no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, grief comes and goes and there's nothing wrong in your mind or in your heart for being that affected by it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know? Yeah. And <clears throat> I think a lot of times we want to um, tie a pretty bow on things, you know, yeah, to be like, okay, that sad thing happened. And now, you know, we're going to go back to just praising God and like worshiping him for all the good things he's done in our life. And now it's time for us to get back to gratefulness. And like, (laughs) and we expect um, that the 
joy and gratefulness and all of those things aren't intertwined with grief. And that's just not true. Um, we can live fully present and thankful and, um, you know, in love with all that the Lord has done and is to us Mm -hmm. and still have grief and sorrow. And those things don't have to be separated. Um, but it's just in our like flesh nature to avoid the mix of suffering with our daily life. I think about Jesus too, like, um, you know, there was a timetable involved because this was just a historical event. But when Lazarus died, um, he went back and, you know, I, I believe that Jesus went back there knowing that Lazarus, he was going to walk out of that situation with Lazarus alive again. Sure. But, you know, that's where our oft quoted shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept, came from mm-hmm. is when he goes there and he grieves with mm-hmm. Lazarus's family. There. He knew that that wasn't the end, mm-hmm. but. He wasn't, you know, he, he was not above the emotional impact of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, um, you know, I, we were trying to come up with episode titles and, and um, I, I gave a quote to Allison when we were trying to figure one out that references a TV show called WandaVision that we really liked. And there's a quote about grief in that show that said, what is grief but love persevering? And I mm-hmm. think you know, grief is an expression of love. Yeah. Um, it's just an expression of love lost. And so for that to be prolonged, like what does that say about how much you love that person? Right. So why should we be in a hurry to make it go away? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, you were loved well by just having that permission to let grief carry on. Yeah, Yeah. and it still comes some days, Yeah, you know? Yeah, and I think the other thing you mentioned there with um, how people loved you during your dad's passing was like the telling of stories, and I think um, the fact that there's still people doing that today is another permission that grief carries on. Yeah, you know, for um, sure. I think about just like maybe last week, my brother actually wrote um, a blog post for his church where he's a pastor um, that was about a conversation he had with your dad. Yeah. And um, he sent that to us. And man, it was like so timely because the wisdom that your dad had given to Bert all those years ago was like exactly the wisdom we, you and I needed for this current season. For sure. And like, how crazy is that gift that like, um, your dad's not here with us to give us that wisdom in this moment, but that God would let his wisdom carry over and still be told back to us now. Um, and that's just such a treasure, but it also is like, again, just, um, people who are giving you the, this space to grieve all these years later. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, I'm going to grab uh, another piece of this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rice Krispie treat while you share, share one from your side. Sure. Um, so kind of a different take. Um, when we um, were newly home with one of our kids um, and things were just super hard Um, I was really struggling with just, um, the heart of life with, um, a little someone who has gone through a lot of trauma. Um, and so that is coming out in our home and, um, I was struggling with 
just how hard that was, not really with that child, but just how hard it was in our house. And um, I didn't know, didn't feel like we had a lot of friends who could relate to what was going on in that season. And it just felt heavy and lonely. Um, And I just remember that one of my girlfriends came over um, to hang out with me after that um, the kids had gone to bed. And she sat in the living room with me and we were talking, it was like such a breath of fresh air to finally like just sit down with a friend who knows me and just laugh and, you know, talk about other stuff. Um, and we had like a video monitor back then. And right as I was starting to like relax and let down my guard, um, something crazy happened over <laughs> the video monitor. And I was like, horrified sitting there with my friend. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I am so sorry. Um, This is wild. I'm going to have to go upstairs. (laughs) And so I left her and went upstairs and um, what, you know, was, I mean, was crazy in the beginning, but as it tended to do in high trauma seasons, like um, it just became more and more crazy. You know, it was like the chaos spiral up there. And I was like, oh man, you know, I have no idea how long I've been up here. Hours. And it's involved pee and poop, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, know, As the spiral of chaos does sometimes. Right. And it's um, it's just a a whole thing. Um, I've definitely yelled at some point. Um, There's been tears. And um, I came back downstairs fully expecting that my friend would have just let herself out. (laughs) Um, And I came downstairs and she was just sitting on the couch just as casual as ever. Just like, la-di-da, everything is totally fine right now. And I looked over and (laughs) the video monitor had still been on, you know. So she was sitting there watching the whole thing, you know. And um, I sat back down, and I was just like, I didn't even know what to say. And she was just like, girl, you handled that so well. And um, she was like, that was really hard, and you did it. And I actually still want to cry right now thinking about it because I was so weary, and I was so sure that I was messing everything up. Um, And the fact that, number one, she stayed through such a messy ordeal um and that she didn't make me feel embarrassed um she didn't add any drama to the situation um and she just was super simple in her response in a way that just really lifted me up and um I think there's just so much in that act of grace right there um that can be applied to so many situations. And I think the first one is just stay. Yeah. Just stay with your people through the mess. No matter how chaotic and messy and hard the situation is, just stay with them. Um, and that alone is profound. Because uh, another <laughs> this is another instance where so many times we want things to be prettier and neater than they are. And people tend to bail on you when things are complicated. Yeah. And so to have someone who will sit with you through the mess is just an absolute gift. 
and then you think about that like um in terms of details mm-hmm. that friend didn't that didn't demand very much from the friend no just just stay just stay just stay and a word of encouragement after it was over yeah. and it wasn't like some super long eloquent no blog post of an encouragement either no and like she had no experience um with what I was dealing with, you know? Yeah. She had no, like, background in trauma. <laughs> you know, like, she herself was not yet a mother. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there were just, she had no reference points for what was happening. And so, she could have easily been like, I don't even know what to say here. So, I'm just not going to say anything. Yeah. And pretend it didn't happen or whatever, right? Um, But... I didn't need, I didn't need eloquent advice from her, you know? I I just needed a friend who still saw me yeah. and valued me. And, um, and she was that, you know? And I just think so many times we get hung up on this, like, fear of saying the wrong thing or not knowing what to say. And so we just don't speak love into the lives of our friends who are suffering. Yeah. And um, our friends don't need that. You know, they don't need a, a smart response, <laughs> you know. They just need somebody to love them and see them in the midst of it. Yeah. And so I will forever think back to that. It's like one of the kindest things anyone did for me in early motherhood. Mm. So good. Just you always thank God for the friends that he brings into your life by, by that because those are the people who even if distance separates you, you don't really ever lose, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm trying to think about how to phrase the next, um, the next example I want to give because it happened a couple of times in my life with different people. Uh, and you were one of them actually. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, let's hope this one is a good example. Yeah. Yes. This one. is the good one. Okay. <laughs> For sure. Um, the good one. Like, anyway. Um, so y- y- this this applied, a- again, to, you know, my time of grieving after losing my father. Um, and also, uh, during the year, you and I were separated uh, with you living in Uganda with our two oldest children and me living back in uh, America with our two youngest children. Yeah. Not um, not Yeah. Not marital separation, yeah. sorry, like a distance separation uh, right. because because of an ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, no, 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 sorry. Um, so I think just, it, and, it, and I think it, it, it branches a little bit off of what you said, is just um, to, to, like, to take the initiative to seek out a person who's hurting is, is, is really kind of the crux of what I'm getting at. So like when I was, um, when I was grieving the death of my father, um, I, I felt very alone. Um, you know, I'd already mentioned before, like how everyone had seemed to kind of move on and, um, you know, it's little things too. Like maybe, maybe you're watching a sitcom or something and there's a joke about death, you know, Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. that would have been funny to you before, but isn't funny to you now. Yeah. And everyone else goes ahead and laughs along with it. Like the show would have you do. And you're like, well, that's not funny to me anymore. Like that just makes me hurt all over again. And now I feel like an outsider in this situation. And, and, um, 
So I was just, uh, as my flight response would have it, just really retreated inward, um, and and it was not a great time in my life for that. Um, you know, even though maybe I'd still leave, leave the house and you know or go to church or whatever, but um, I think just um, seeking a person out while they're hurting. So I'll, I'll say, now that I said that, I'll, I'll I'll actually add one more little brief anecdote to it before I get to what Allison did for me. Um, one specific instance I remember was a Sunday morning. So I don't know any of you church going listeners, um, which since COVID, I, I don't know that this happens as much as it used to, but there always be like a meet and greet time where everybody you know, walks around and hugs each other and shakes hands, whatever. So it was, um, it was father's day, mm-hmm. uh, that year. And it was the first father's day after mm-hmm. my dad had passed. So it'd probably been maybe a month since yeah. he had passed mm-hmm. and um you know people just coming up just smiling saying hi and everything and i'm kind of like eh, you know and I'm, I'm not mr smiles during that time in the first place i mean you know <laughs> I, I'm, I'm i'm cordial and nice but you know i'm not the most outgoing out of everybody in the room uh and so you know a, a man who who i know and respect and i know he just wasn't thinking I, and in my mind I know he wasn't thinking like because yeah. he's he was he's a wonderful person yeah. just came up to me he's like hey steven happy father's day and I was like, yeah. <laughs> and he's, I don't even know what to say. Like, oh, I, you know, I was yeah. just like gut punched and not because, oh, he had the audacity to say it. I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's not, yeah. you know. And so having somebody say it to you makes you feel like all the more you have to have a response and you know the response is this is junk. Right. Yeah. And so I couldn't handle it. Um so, I mean, he just walked away and everybody did their thing. And then, like, you know, music continued. And I was just standing there. I couldn't sing because, like, I know this about myself, which I'll just let everybody in on. Um, when I feel really emotional or carrying a heavy burden, I can't open my mouth a lot or I'll start crying. Mm-hmm. Um, so I won't sing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably won't talk. You know, like, the longer my mouth stays open, the tears <laughs> start coming. And I don't know what the physiological connection is and all that, but that's something I've learned about myself. So um, I left. I walked out of the uh, sanctuary and I went to the bathroom and uh, started ugly crying. I couldn't hmm. couldn't hold on to it. And so um, it just so happened that I, I'm assuming now that I think about it, the timetable, because it was Father's Day, my brother, my oldest brother, had come back mm-hmm. to go to church with uh, mom and, and me and my other, other brother. And um, he walked in probably about two minutes later. Didn't even really look at me. Just kind of walked in, started washing his hands, and told a fart joke. <laughs> oh, the sandwich and just, way. And yeah, you know, listen, that doesn't work for everybody. But <laughs> the thing is, is like, don't, don't, don't remember the fart part. It, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the fact that someone who knew me yeah. knew I was in distress, mm-hmm. pursued me. And tried to relieve my stress in a way they knew because because they knew me mm-hmm. would would at least at the at a minimum communicate to me that they were trying to help in a very real and tangible way, mm-hmm. um, which which meant the world to me. It did, and it did. It snapped me out of it mm-hmm. um, because that worked for me. <laughs> um, don't don't try and that. It may, and it may not, you know, have worked from everybody, you know, but specifically because you knew. David obviously was taking <laughs> the death of your dad as seriously as you were, right? So it, you know he's right. not coming in just making light of your grief. Exactly. Yeah. Um. 
But so, you know, I wouldn't advise necessarily that method <laughs> for everyone. But you yeah, know, it worked because of your relationship and, and his relationship with the with that grief, you yeah, know. And absolutely. so um so he could come in maybe more lighthearted than a lot of other people could right. have. Yeah. So kind of part two of that, like going and pursuing people and their grief is really how my friendship and then romance with Allison started. Um, I was, I was in a, a a bad place and, um, Allison just started inviting me places when she went somewhere. It was not, it it wasn't anything complicated, you know, it was just like, Hey, you, uh, want to go to subway? And I'm kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, like, I don't love subway, but I would love to hang out with you. Sure. Like, it's nice to go just be with somebody. And, and I'll, I'll get on the flip side of that when we talk about ways that aren't so great. But, um, the fact that when you kind of pursued me, Mm -hmm. you know, as a friend, Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have to, you didn't put any burden on my shoulders. Like Mm -hmm. it was like, Hey, this thing is happening or I'm doing this thing. Why don't you come along? Yeah. All I had to commit to it was being present. Yeah. And when someone's grieving, that's kind of already enough to ask of somebody. Yeah. Um, and so I just respected that so much. Mm-hmm. Um, one that you thought of, of me, mm-hmm. um, because for as, for as kind and well-intentioned as so many people, there were nobody, not many people thought of me on that level mm-hmm. to reach out to me individually like that. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'll get into that later, but, um, but you did. And it didn't really matter what we were doing. I think a lot of it sometimes was just the gesture of, you know, a, a simple invitation to something, um, and time was spent together. And, um, I needed a friend like you who, um, was so caring and, uh, and you know, whether your cheery disposition, um, you know, helped bring me back to life in a way too. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. So, and so now you can't get rid of me. So I don't know how you feel about those decisions now, (laughs) but back then, um, good. good. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. So, yeah, I think, you know, I obviously had not lost a parent and, um, I, you know, I, I didn't have anything profound to say to you, um, but you're my friend, and I knew you were hurting, um, and, you know, I, I do know what it's like to feel alone, um, and I didn't want you to feel that, and so, um, you know, I missed the lighthearted you that I had come to know, you know, and, um, whether you were ready to be that guy again yet or not, I wanted you around and I wanted you to know that your, your presence was missed, you know? And, um, so I just started inviting you to all the things that I could (laughs) invite you back into, um, so that you, um, remembered you had people who loved you. It worked. Good. Good job. Um, so you kind of hinted that you were going to be going there. Um, so I'll go ahead and open us up with, uh, maybe way someone 
missed the mark <laughs> with loving us. Um, so in the midst of um, bringing home our oldest two, which we shared some about um, last episode, and, you know, that had taken uh, three and a half years um, yeah. to complete. And during that time, our kids were in, in danger many times um, and um, not okay. And, um, so I shared before it took an emotional toll on me, um, as a mom and I can't imagine, you know, all the ways that it took a toll on them. But, um, during the time that I was in Uganda, while I'm absolutely thankful for that time now, um, at the time that that was going on. You know, it was really, really hard, and I was really struggling, really hurting, um, feeling really frustrated um, with the way things were going, and um, felt like really out of control. Um, I also felt lonely. Um, I was separated from everything that I knew, Um, and we had like a little facebook group or whatever that was like a private group yeah um where we could kind of share updates it wasn't like my public platform the intent of it was to have like close people who could be praying for us and maybe would get that like raw real (laughs) post about what was going on sure um and so anyway so that was i was being raw and real in there so just kind of um Maybe, I don't know, um, I don't know exactly because I haven't gone back and looked at all of it, but I mean, probably bordering on doing some complaining um, in there and um, just about how hard it was and how much I really needed people to pray for like a miracle to get us out of there quickly. Um, And another like adoptive mom uh, commented in there and, um, I can't say for sure exactly what she posted because she's, she deleted it later, but, um, she said something kind of like, you know, but don't, aren't you just thankful? Because I think this time is really, uh, good for them, you know, it's for the best. And I had known this mom from another trip and like, I knew that she had gotten really upset when she had had to stay there for eight weeks, you know? Right. And so when I'm like eight months in and she's like kind of being a little bit pushed backy with me when I'm hurting, I, I, I said something to her like, I really don't want to hear that right now um, because my kids aren't safe and I need to get them home. It's what I said. So, um, <laughs> it wasn't my best moment. You know, it wasn't the best response I've ever given to but somebody. Uh, but also in your defense, after the 12 week point, I think with us, we did not know day to day how long the process would take. So the next eight months was a literal unknown from day to day. So like, mm-hmm. it's not like we knew at that point, okay, this is tough, but eight more months, we're going to be home. We, we had no idea. Mm-hmm. If e- things are even going to happen, right? For that and, long, you know, I won't, I won't get into detail of it here, 
Um, but I'll just simply say that like I did have like a minor assault situation happen while I was there. Um, it, it was not, not everything was okay. <laughs> right. And she couldn't have known that. I didn't share that with but a handful of people. Um, but, but it doesn't actually matter if she knew all the details. Um, you know, but she got really upset with the way that I responded. And, um, and then sent me like, you know, deleted the post and this sent me like a series of really upset and hurt feeling messages. Um, and I think like unfriended me or whatever <laughs> on social media and stuff. Mm. Um, and, you know, questioned my faith and everything because of the way that I had responded to her. Um, and that really, really caught me off guard. Um, I was like, wow, um, for sure, you know, that wasn't my best moment, but like, can I get some grace for the season that I'm in right now? Like, yeah. can you, can you please give me grace and the benefit of the doubt? Um, because I'm going through something really, really hard. And then don't try to trump someone else's grief and hurt with your own hurt feelings. Right. So I think um, that is a thing that I would say. It's like, don't put the burden of peacemaking and um, total right responses and stuff on a person who's in the midst of grief. I think that's so unreasonable and unfair. Um, now, I, to this particular situation, you know, like, I have no idea all the things that she was carrying. Like, I do not know. And, um, you know, there may be a million reasons why she responded in that way, too. So I give her ultimate grace, too. Like, I don't know. And so I don't say this to, like, put that situation on blast or anything. I'm just saying to you guys, I'm using that as an example, that um, what you we don't need to do to people in the midst of their suffering is, one, try to give them a happy answer. Like, don't feel sad, feel this way instead. Um, no, <laughs> it's yeah. okay for someone to feel sad and upset. Um, now, you can certainly encourage them with other perspectives if the time is right. But in the moment, we need to let people feel the way they feel. Yeah. So that's number one. And number two is if they respond badly to you, overlook it. And that's actually something I teach the kids all the time. If it's possible to overlook the sins of your brother or your sister, do it. Yeah. Like overlook it. If it's possible, overlook it. Um, and certainly in the midst of grief, we need to overlook the shortcomings of our brothers and sisters. Absolutely. Uh, because <laughs> they're carrying heavy stuff and they're, very likely to slip. And so instead of pointing out the slip, just carry some of the burden and keep walking with them, you know? And then the last thing would be if there is conflict in the midst of grief. And you and I have actually both experienced that. You had a somewhat of a conflict with a good friend of yours after your dad's death. Yeah. I was just thinking about that. You know, like 
the burden of peacemaking after that situation really should not be on the grief bearer. Yeah. You know, like even if they are the one who maybe did wrong to you, go and make peace with them because they're carrying something so heavy. They may not be able to come to you and make peace. So, um, that would be my encouragement. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's so good. Yeah. So, um, my example of, of, uh, room for improvement, I guess, in grieving really is just the, um, kind of the other side of the coin from what I described that, um, Allison and my brother had, had done so well. And, um, it's, I'm afraid it's, it's an all too common occurrence when someone's, when someone's grieving, uh, both in, in having occurred to me and I have to admit, I have been guilty of in the past, I'm sure, as well. And that is uh, something Allison just kind of alluded to, which is placing the burden, placing burdens on the grief bearer. Um, mm-hmm. um, during, I think, a lot um, about the time where Allison was in Uganda with our oldest two children, and I was uh, stateside with um, our youngest two, and um, that was a difficult time for both of us in, in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and the loneliness and, and, and grieving and, 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 uh, hardship, um, was different for both of us because Allison was in, you know, a country not native to her and she was, you know, surrounded by strangers effectively. Um, meanwhile, um, I had close proximity to lots of people and yet felt really distant from almost all of them. Um, and that was, that was hard. And that was a very bitter pill to swallow because at that point in my life, I had been exposed to really good love during grief because of people like Allison and, uh, people like my brother. And, and, and I was living States away from, from, we were living States away from our uh, closest family at that point. Um, and, and there were certain moments and, and I did have, we did have a couple of friends who would check in on me, um, as much as they could. Uh, to be present and and help and and all that was great. Um, But I have to admit, uh, when I think about those times, I even um, still have a hard time shaking the the old casual, hey, if you need anything, let me know um, phrase, which is is a passive phrase dressed up like a nice one. I get a little flustered thinking about it because I do think about some of the people who helped in ways they did. And a lot of memories are flooding in right now. But, um, I think one of the hardest things for me was, um, some of my, some friends I had prior to that beginning who I would have counted as some of my closest friends, um, became very distant from me. And I don't know those necessarily on purpose. It was just another situation of life, going on Mm -hmm. and like they'll you know you'll run into somebody at the store or at work or at church or somewhere they're like hey man you know how's it going and well okay i'll tell you how it's going but like you know for 11 months it wasn't good news though right and you know you can kind of see like uh like remember finding nemo and marlin keeps telling the joke that goes on forever and you see the smile like slowly fade from everybody's (laughs) face like that's like kind of what it felt like i'm like i mean I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that everything's going great because it's not it's like, and, and I can't right. tell you what I need because I'm, because we are, are drowning here some days. Right. And so. Yeah. You're like, I need everything. Yeah. And it's still, it still sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's still bad. And so, 
Um, you know, I don't want to judge the hearts and intentions of people, but I can just tell you what I experienced. You mm-hmm. know, I experienced seeing people who I value very much um, continuing on in life and mm-hmm. ministry and, and, and discipleship and brotherhood, like metaphorically, maybe literally, like just out of arm's reach from me mm-hmm. for a year. And yeah. that I'm... I'm broken to say didn't never it, for me never got fully restored yeah. to how it was before that happened. And part of that's probably on me. Um, but you know, that's just the reality of it. Um, but that hurt a lot to know I was hurting and, and, and I get that I was in, that we were in a situation that was foreign to so many people and maybe they just didn't know how to respond, but you know, you didn't know what it was like to lose a parent and that didn't keep you from saying, hey, I'm going to the store. You want to come with me? Or, you know, friends yeah. of us are going to the movies. You want to come with me? Yeah. Um, or even saying like, hey, you know, can I come hang out? Can I bring you guys dinner? We can hang out and watch TV or something mm-hmm. like, you know, any of those things. And, um, you know, if I thought really, really hard, I could count on one hand, maybe two over the course of almost an entire year where um, I experienced that kind of outreach from people um and you know i I will say that the hurt from that um you know still sticks but um you know it it has helped me gain some perspective too that if i can train my eyes to notice that in others that that i wouldn't replicate that and i kind of you know i think now like how many times i've actually done that to somebody else yeah and not realized it you know um because when people are hurting it's always intentional sure sometimes it's like just a carrying on of life and not noticing the hurt of the people around you yeah but i i agree though really holistically i mean you know as life carries on you know people no one no one owes me their their time or or their um uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe nobody owes you. <laughs> I don't know. But your brothers should definitely still be inviting you in, you know? Yeah. And I think um, it's not to say everyone was that way, you know, but I do no, think. No, not at all. Um, you felt like on the outskirts, like you no longer um, had like that's a small group ministry to a small group to attend. Yeah. Um, where we had been leading one before I left, and then we had to step down due to those circumstances. And then nobody invited you in. Yeah. Um, and, like, could you have just invited yourself in? Yes. You know, but it goes back to, like, putting that burden on someone who's going through a hard season, you know? Right. And, um, so like, we're not always at our best equipped to like advocate for ourselves and put ourselves into positions of receiving help. And so that's where, um, other people have to then shoulder that emotional, um, help for us, you know, and, and pull us in Yeah, because we're not able to take ourselves there. Right. Um, and so I think that's what you were missing and was really hard and sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so not to end on a sad note, (laughs) (laughs) um, I'll give another example of good. Um, and that was after we came home, 
um, with our kids and thinking about how we were just so like, we were just so drained um, financially and emotionally and resources and everything. You know, we were just emptied out. Um, And by that point, people had been going through this with us for a long time. Like you were even mentioning, you know, they were tired of the it kind of sucks answers, you know. Right. People were ready for happier things from us. But meanwhile, we were still drowning. Right. (laughs) Um, We didn't have any money. um, And... We, um, we just felt at the end of our rope. Um, and there were times when our groceries, like our pantry was completely empty and our refrigerator was completely empty and, um, it was really hard. Yeah. And, um, I just was like, I don't know, you know what we're going to do. And I felt embarrassed and like, we should be. We should be past needing help at this point. And so I didn't know how to ask for help. Um, and we had a friend at church who um, was going through her own hard season, actually, and was reaching out to me during that time. And we were kind of encouraging each other. And I and I ended up sharing with her, like, how much we were struggling. Mm-hmm. And she was like, what? Oh, my goodness. Like... <laughs> that is a need we can fill for you, you know? And she just was like, there was no embarrassment, no shame, no, you should be better by now at all. Like it was just an immediate, like we can fix that for you. Um, And for months on end, um, she showed up at our house with groceries that came from our church um, and from other friends and from herself. Um, and we never had bare fridge or pantry again. (laughs) No. And I mean, I even remember on one of our kids' birthdays, like she called and she was like, what's their favorite cake flavor? And she showed up at the house with it. And, um, I mean, over and over again, just fed us. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, It didn't feel like it had to be a secret thing either, which I think is really important. Like, it's not like there was no shame in needing help, but we kept it a secret from everybody else that we were receiving help. It was just kind of like, this is normal. Like, in community, we should meet each other's needs. And so this is just what we're doing. And that's the spirit I think of when I think of that person, Yeah. too. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, listen, obviously, the tangible gift of groceries and, and stuff is, is all wonderful but like I don't think of the gift when I think of that person I just think of like their generous spirit in all things really yeah yeah and just this openness of like we're living life together and so our burdens are each other's yeah and uh we need so much more of that absolutely <laughs> like, whatever the burden whether it's lack of groceries or <laughs> something entirely different our burdens are each other's. Yes. And we need to carry them together. Um, and it's so much lighter when many people are carrying them. Absolutely. Um, and I think, like, there's just so much evidence that God doesn't necessarily meet your needs by giving you <laughs> the thing. Right. Um, he, he, he gives the resource to the community. And then 
we have to look around and see who needs it. Mm-hmm. And because um, God is really honored by that activity, mm-hmm. by that sacrifice, by that display. Yeah. You know? Don't assume the thing that you have is for you. <laughs> right. Um, and so look around, see where your friends are hurting and then share the resources that you have. Um, and just make each other's burdens lighter. Yeah. So that's my my and take away from that experience and um, what I would say as you're seeing those um, around you struggle. Um, so yeah, those are our good, bad, and ugly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, those are our thoughts on loving through the midst of hard stuff. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for joining us with that, and um, hope you got something from that. And, and, you know, I mean, we're here to share with you too. I mean, if uh, you ever want to share with us and so you can always find us uh, obviously here every week, but um, you can find us on Instagram, peace in the Valley podcast. And we're also on a, have a Facebook page up as well, where you can engage with us with any uh, topics you may want to hear or feedback you have on particular episodes or any stories you'd want to share as well. Uh, thank you guys for joining us and uh, we'll see you next week. Alrighty.